Festive greetings, Batsio Death Trip listeners. Hey, I don't know about you, but when I think of Christmas with my family, I think of pyrotechnics, fake phalluses, huge steel angel wings, and laser goggles. So it's only fitting that we do our holiday season episode on Ramstein's third album, Mutter. Uh, over this first season, we've talked a lot of shit on different fan groups. Uh, we've talked a lot of shit on Tool fans. We haven't been very kind to the Red Hot Chili Peppers fans or Metallica fans. Personally, I think Jamiroquai fans have to be some of the most boring people in the world. And if Deadsy had fans, look, I just want a word with him. But let's end the year on a positive note. Straight off the bat, I think Ramstein are an awesome band and this album is solid. But what I have really learned is that the Ramstein subreddit seems really nice. It's an active sub. They seem to welcome newcomers and they don't come across as gatekeepers. And I know some fans in certain groups have taken their fandom too far, but BTS fans have raised a lot of money for a lot of different charities. Britney Spears' fans helped raise awareness of her conservatorship. Kid Rock's fans helped to spread a lot of COVID disinformation and tried to stop the steal. And Coldplay are asking their fans to power their new concerts through like dance floors and kinetic bikes in an effort to hold gigs that are powered by 100% renewable energy. So Benji... Is there any band that you can think of where you have really enjoyed the interactions you've had with their fan base? Um, metal fans as a whole seem to be some of the most pleasant, friendly people in the world. I mean, it comes as no surprise that that Rammstein subreddit should be welcoming because German people are very fucking friendly for a start. Very friendly, very accommodating, you know anyone wants to make jokes about the second world war or the first world war whatever they can do it outside of the show but damn near all of the interactions i've had with german people have been pleasant we were coming over for our honeymoon me and mave and we caught a lufthansa from if i remember correctly it was hamburg to manchester and we were sat next to a german man who not only offered Maeve a piece of his chocolate cake because he wasn't going to eat it, which I thought, oh, man, what a good dude. Like, the best part of airplane food's normally the dessert. <laughs> Second of all, taught us that there was, for the entire trip, and it's a long trip from New Zealand to England, there was, like, little round tags on the just above where the uh, fold-out table is, and we were always curious, me and Maeve, ah. Oh, What's that? What's that? And it turned out that it, the German guy showed us that, oh, it's how you hang your jacket up if you do not want to wear or store away. And we were like, oh my God, that's fucking incredible. Uh, you know, I only just realized that the Jesus handle in the car had the same thing for coats. But yeah, I think the metal community are always welcoming. I think if there's, a, I mean, you're going to have dickheads in, in a couple of like communities. Well, this podcast is 50% dickhead, so. There's your law of averages in action. Uh, we account for 100% of that average anyway, man, <laughs> me and you. I think the hip-hop community can be very welcoming at times as well. Uh, yeah, I the only time I've ever come across people being kind of gatekeeper-y is the kind of haughty-taughty indie kids. You know, that kind of, oh, have you listened to Block Party? No, Pfft, what do you mean you've not listened to Block Party? You know, I've, I've had chats with hip-hop fans where... Some guys come into a record store and said, oh, have you got the new J. Cole? Like, oh, no, I don't, man. Is it any good? Oh, yeah, brilliant. And then 
I'd be outside having like a cigarette break and a guy would rock up to me with headphones on like, hey, check out his older stuff. And I'd be like, oh, cool. I've been listening to D'Angelo. Check this out. So yeah, I, I, the metal community, definitely the hip hop community. Definitely. I've just, the only run-ins I've had, like I said, Risa with the indie community, but fucking hipsters, man. Back in 2000s, hipsters were basically like the modern day incels. Geez, you've come out swinging here with some bold claims. The best thing about flying is the desserts yep. <laughs> and, and hipsters are incels. I don't know, man. Like I, I just, I've had, I've not had a pleasant time with hipsters. I've not had a pleasant time. I speak on this f from a promoter standpoint as well. Like Christ, the amount metal fans will turn up. Oh, how much is the gig? Oh, five pounds. But I think the band's put you on the door. Pff, nah, mate, take five pounds. Do you want a beer, mate? And it's like, are you really cool? As opposed to, I've had like kids coming to indie shows, like, oh, I should be on the door. It's like, oh, you're not on the door, but we can put you on the half price list. And uh, the response I get is, no, I should be on the door. Like, well, quite clearly you're not. Oh, can I leave? Can I leave my phone at the door? And I'll just go in and talk to the band member who said they'd put me on the door and I'll come back out. Look, you've got my phone. And I, I'm a big fan of the Nokia 3310 as much as the next person, Reese. But I'm not fucking bartering like someone coming into a show to find someone when quite clearly that person wants nothing to do with the person that they said would be put on the door. And it's normally fucking crazy that, like, I don't have any money, but I can afford to drink at the bar. Fuck off. Well, another group of fans that are incredible to deal with are the Batio Death Trip listeners. I think they're a really special community. A lot of, you know, messages are coming in via Instagram predominantly. And it's our Christmas episode, man. And I would just want to say a huge Merry Christmas to you and a oh, happy man. festive season to all, all of our listeners. Can we, can we get something together for D? Cause she was amazing with that show, man. Can can we? Like, I will be spending Christmas Day in five days with D, so right, I'll, I'll well, pass I'll, on a I'll message send for you, you. I'll send you a card you can print off, mate, and I'll give you some money for like an Amazon voucher. Please don't spend it on advertising. Please don't spend it on advertising. So I called a few listeners and I was like, "Hey, we're putting together a Christmas episode. If you want to just like send us greetings, I'd love to play it on the podcast." So. Here's what I've got, man. Some Merry Christmas messages from the Butchero Death Trip listeners. Hey, I'm sorry. I don't know who this is and I don't know how you got this number, but can you just please stop calling me? This is getting really inappropriate and I really need you to stop. Please stop. Fuck off! Oh, for God's sake, will you just stop calling me? Just go away. Seriously, dude. Like, it's 7 in the fucking morning. I'm lying here in bed on my day off. And you're fucking messaging me now. Fuck off, okay? I'm fucking over it. Go away! Just fuck off. I've had enough. Just stop it. You fucking waste of space. Leave me the fuck alone. Right, um, Reese, enough's enough. Stop calling me. Stop hassling me. Stop turning up at my work. Oh my god, you are so annoying. Can you stop calling me? Why do you keep leaving me these messages? If you don't stop calling me, I'm going to call the cops. Seriously. Because this is borderline harassment. That's your warning. Told you before to stop fucking calling me, asshole. Listen here, you little shit. We have been through this. I don't know how to say it any more politely, but rack off. If you don't leave me alone, the only audio on your fucking podcast will be the sounds of your small intestines after I've come over to your shitbox studio 
and shoved your little shitty microphone so far up your ass that only the cord will be left hanging out. Reese, I know I'm your mother, but I'm not going to listen to your shit podcast. Leave me alone. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Well, you know what? The fucking joke's on that guy saying shitbox studio because it's not a shitbox studio. It's a shitbox bedroom, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's a shitbox spare bedroom where my mum sleeps who left that beautiful message. Yeah, but a big thank you to all the Butcher Death Trip listeners for those beautiful messages. Straight from the heart, you know, I felt it. Yeah, with friends like those who need enemies or Kid Rock. <laughs> uh, so this podcast is about Ramstein still, right? Yeah, 100%. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to the Ramstein subreddit. So yeah, they're definitely. active. So I, I asked a few questions and I got like, I'm like, hey, we're talking about Muta. It's a great album, but I don't know too much about it. I now do know quite a lot about it. So let me just read out very quickly some things that people said. So OG Shaman once said, look, Muta, the promo photos which show the band preserved in fluid, required each member to be submerged in water, hooked by their feet to a weight at the bottom of the plexiglass tank and tethered with a, a lead belt. And according wow. to Flake... The tank started to stink as the shoot went on by account because the band were farting in the water. So that's cool. Oh, God. I didn't realize. So if you actually fart in water, it will actually smell. I think that's how my mum got pregnant with me. But yes, Material Dirt 3033 said, Schneider loves the Mutter's lyrics, so, uh, but they had to talk with his own mum about its violent content and said that it was all Till's idea. But they all edit Till's lyrics. And that's something we'll talk about a bit later, that they're a very, 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 almost to a fault, democratic band. Yeah. And Fleish, F-L-E-1-S-C-H, said, an interesting thing about Muta is that during very early pre-production of the album, the band played around with uh, older song ideas, with Flake stating that they even worked with, oh, I can't read that word, Furada? Um, my job is uh, Fura Rada, I, I can't, it's the A with an omelet, so maybe someone back on the subreddit can tell us how to pronounce well, that. Well, you said that a lot of them were German. I think a lot of them are American. But anyway, they scrapped it since they couldn't make it work with their evolved style. And so of the older ideas, they found this song, Mutter. Oh, well, that's how Mutter was born. And it was a demo tape from 1994, and it contained an untitled instrumental song, which used the same baby sample from Mutter and some guitar parts are pretty similar. And the Ramstein wiki asked a reputable source about this instrumental and it was confirmed that it was an early ancestor of what became Mutter. So a big thank you to the Ramstein subreddit. They were really welcoming and they're a really active sub, man. And I follow a lot of sort of new metal subreddits and they are by far the most sort of just posing questions and engaging with each other. It was really cool. Man, they sounded really accommodating. Are they big on the memes on that subreddit, or is it more like the Nine Inch Nails subreddit where there's a couple of memes, but for the most part, it's a very, very informative subreddit? Yeah, that second one. It's very informative. There's a few, yeah, memes here and there. It's a lot of people, like, finding old ticket stubs or old, like, hey, I found my old records or I bought this or I'm listening to this today, but it's a lot of questions and answering and stuff. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, like, with your, just on a side note, with your hunting around, because we're coming up to 50 episodes, we've nearly been doing this for a year. Mm. Uh, and then all of your investigative journalism that you've been doing. <laughs> Can you say that without laughing? laughing? That. No, no, I can't. <laughs> but with all your investigative journalism that you've undertaken, your deep dives into subreddit, 
can you give me and the listeners perhaps the best three subreddits that you visited when it comes to a welcoming community? Uh, Ramstein? Yep. Evanescence? Yeah, definitely, man. A lot of love for that Evanescence episode if we look back. Yeah, yeah, that, that um, got a lot of downloads. And oh, the third one would be a struggle, potentially Glassjaw, but Glassjaw, the Glassjaw subreddit is just people going, hey, where can I get the merch? Hey, where can I get the tickets? Hey, tickets are sold out. Where can I go? Hey, they've rescheduled. Can I still get tickets? Like It's just people asking the same questions I was asking in 2004. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say, but Ramstein, by far. Like, I asked two questions and I got maybe 20 to 40 answers or something like that. So, yeah, it was really appreciated because I do post the episodes on some subreddits and you get fuck all, you know? Or I do ask questions and you just get, yeah, sweet FA. But, yeah, this band has been really interesting to learn about, though, because I think because of, of the language barrier as well, you know, and they're not, they don't do much for their fans. They're very practical. Like, we're, we're, we're like, they're not like Corey Taylor doing every fucking, you know, interview under the sun. That's what I mean. Yeah. Appearing on QI. Yeah, they're not appearing on QI and <laughs> talking and they're not releasing like I hate Christmas songs, you know, like that that bullshit that he did. But it does feel like with Ramstein that they do seem to purposefully leave little Easter eggs and much in the same vein as Tool. And I get a feeling that the more we get into this podcast, the more we might be drawing parallels uh, in terms of aesthetics to Tool. But I always felt that like Rammstein did leave little Easter eggs throughout their music, not even just on specific albums. Like, for for example, did you know that Rammstein's albums all have 11 songs on them? I did know that. I also found it very weird that when I was looking through everything that it was like, right, it's very convenient that there's 11 tracks on Mutter and there's 11 tracks on, on you know, most of their albums. And is that more because of their, they seem to have a very intrinsic knowledge about the musicianship behind what they do. And if I remember correctly, it was their bassist, uh, Oliver Riedel, um, explained that if you are listening to music, the concentration has gone after 45 minutes, and that's the time we go for. I mean, we don't appreciate such long records because nobody really knows the last songs. Therefore, we stop earlier before the listener does. And that, that's quite clever because this is coming from a day and age where Spotify wasn't that ubiquitous entity and you have a look at Spotify streams and see like, here's an album and then you go all the way down to the last track and the last track's got the most minimal of numbers. So uh, something like that's quite clever, but I, I do seem to think that they do like to lay those little Easter eggs for people to pick up and, and turn into talking points, which maybe leads back into why that subreddit is so so welcoming because it's it's sharing these little kind of fan services that the band do for their fans like you say that they don't really interact to a level with Corey taylor but they don't have to much like an artist in an art gallery doesn't have to network and schmooze ramstein don't have to really network and schmooze because their body of work is impressive enough that they don't need to kiss the ring so to speak you're 100 percent right in that they do a lot for the fans that is what the fans really seeking. So 
Ramstein with this tour for Mutter, they put 80% of the, the coin that they made from ticket sales back into the tour to make it a total experience. And if you talk about Ramstein, you know, most people first found out about them really like of my generation sort of on that family values uh, VHS. Yeah. Way better than Welcome to Our Neighborhood, by the way, Slipknot. Fucking should have taken note. But they, they found out that. And, of course, you know, Tills gets out the dick and they you know, Cum goes everywhere and all this sort of shit, like a prosthetic penis and, and so on. But crazy live moments are something that everyone talks about. But they really wanted to make this album in particular as good as it could be. And it's kind of interesting because it's something I want to talk about with you because they knew when they were releasing this album that it had to be huge and successful because the third album was make or break for a band, whereas I don't think that is the case now spotify you know singles eps seem to be coming back you know mixtapes so i don't know can you speak to that at all wow i mean that that's this is definitely a very involved podcast today isn't it i think that i mean i wasn't a massive fan of rise rise to be honest with you um I think that maybe it was a make or break moment, but I think that Mutter broke them through anyway. If you ever look at what came off Mutter, Sona when it came out over here, and especially with the music videos as well, and this was a time and place where MTV was still showing music videos. You had 120 minutes. Um, there were those channels. I'm not sure if you had them in Australia where you could... Um, text off your mobile phone to request a song so yeah we had Kerrang over here doing that so I think the third album just established them a little bit more and I think the second album broke them through I think the second album's a lot more accessible than the third album I think that they they rolled the dice because transgressive is a word I'd like to use a lot of the time when we're talking about Ramstein. From you mentioned the uh, their onstage antics to their press photography, the whole package is very much that kind of uncomfortable presentation. So I think when they realised that there was an appeal for that with Sona, with Ickville, uh, Meinhardt's Brent. I think that they decided that they could push that envelope a little bit further with the third album uh, and then subsequently everything after that. So I think I've answered your question, but I think the third album, I don't think the third album was make or break. I think the third album was more a sense of the band going, fuck it, people like exactly what we're doing. Let's try and push the boundaries a little bit more. Because I think... One of the big things was that when they released uh, uh, one of their music videos off, uh, was it Rosenrot? And it got a bit of controversy about it. I think it was A Man Gegen Man, which was a very homoerotic music video. And I think they realized that after releasing Mutter that they could afford to do that because there's an audience for it. And let's be honest, man, if you've seen them at the Big Day Out, if you've seen them at Download Festival... They are a fucking spectacle, both visually and sonically. Well, I don't know, man. I actually bought, I actually had to pay for a metal hammer that had something about Mutter in it because I wanted to read it. It was like a little a piece about 20 years on. And they, they put themselves under a lot of pressure because they said the third album 
you know, would help them a lot. Like that's the important one in the industry that separates the wheat from the chaff. But also they were, they're really sort of down on themselves in that. Like they're like, Oh, we'll never break America. We'll never break the UK. We'll, we'll only just play, be playing pub shows there. And when they were trying to break America, they were touring with Slipknot and System of a Down. And then nine 11 happened and Richard saw the second plane fly into the tower and oh, shit. Flake got like bad anxiety from that and had to go home mid tour, which is totally understandable. And then they didn't go back to America for what, I think nine years. And obviously they had that song America, which Coldplay covered briefly as well, which is kind of interesting. Uh, did you know that Chris Martin on the piano singing America? No, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> but I, I, you know, if anything that people have learned from this podcast, it's know that they know that there is a mutual appreciation we have for Coldplay. Yeah, yeah. I still claim my big claim is Coldplay are the one of the last big, big, big bands that put on a huge show that everyone can enjoy. Like, yeah, you two are like our stage is a circle. It's like, yeah, but your songs are dog shit, and no one gives a fuck. <laughs> Adele, huge, beautiful songs, incredibly heartfelt performances, but it's it's just her on the stage. Like Coldplay's like, it, I really want to go to a Coldplay show because it's like my bracelet's vibrating and it's colourful and then there's like yellow balls flying everywhere and this dude's on a bicycle. The new stage setup is going to have like people on a dance floor and when you dance and move, that's going to power the show. It's That seems fucking wild. It's colourful, it's big. Anyway, yeah, and I think Ramstein like Coldplay. But I mean... I think that September 11th affected music uh, across the board, you know, into, uh, you know, much in the same way. And I mean, this isn't like a logical fallacy or anything like that, but much in the same way that COVID prevented travel, 9-11 also prevented travel. So you had all of these plans set out. And then, holy shit, what, what's going on? Like, we can't tour. The world is at war, you know, at, with COVID as well. We're at war with a virus. So I understand the anxiety. And it's just, it's absolutely unfortunate that the band were touring, especially touring Mutter, and, and all of that took place. I mean, it's a tragedy full stop. But they still managed to punch through the American market without definitively having to be there. You know, I, I never quite understood why people felt that they had to move to America in order to break the, you know, break the international market. I never quite understood that. Their first album didn't do really well. And it wasn't until Trent Reznor, our boy, massive biceps like Till, and David Lynch heard them and put two songs on the Lost Highway soundtrack. And that's what yeah. helped get them a lot of, yeah, a big audience. But going back to the third album, Kerrang! did a 50 rock and metal bands whose third album was the best. And Benji, do you want to play a little quick game with me? Oh, how many games have we got today? It's like a Christmas cracker, man. Two games today. Right. I'm going to pull this first Christmas cracker. Nice. The sound of a Christmas cracker. So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a band. I want you to tell me what you think either their best album is or their third album is. So I've got the list of bands and the album that Kerrang have suggested, and we'll see if it matches up, okay? Uh, a bit okay, convoluted, right. but yeah, wish me luck. Hit the tip. The offspring. Smash. Great. Smashing pumpkins. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Great. Minutemen. 
Oh man, I've forgotten how to set. Is it two dimes on the nickel? Ah, oh, double nickels on a dime. Oh. You're three for three. The okay. Stooges. The raw power. Oh my god. Great. Blink one eight two. It'd be that sack of shit enemy of the state, wouldn't it? Oh my Great. merry Christmas, everybody. No doubt. Was it Rocksteady? Oh, mate. It's Tragic Kingdom. Kingdom. Ah, oh, jeez. I had two albums before that. I nearly said um, Saturn's... Oh, was it Return to Saturn? I don't know, but I'm going to use that as advice for returning back to the Saturn Marvin the Martian boxer shorts this there Christmas. There we go. Caius. Oh, Jesus. Um, welcome to Sky Valley. Fucking Great. hell, your memory is good. Tool. Oh, mate. The Enema? It should be, because that that's the best album, and you've got Opiate, yeah, Undertow. Yeah. But they they have not counted. But in actual fact, it's Lateralist, isn't it? Great. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. give you that. Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> See, in my head, I'm wondering if Karanga picking up on demos. That's why the whole tool thing, as, as you can appreciate with Opiate. But if they're just going standard studio albums, I'm going to say that it's... It's not the Downward Spiral, is it? It's the Fragile. Uh, it's the Fragile, isn't it? Yeah, it okay. is, mate. Sorry. Mr. Bungle. Uh, I was never a massive Mr. Bungle fan, so I'll skip that. It was California. Jimmy Eat World. Oh, is it? Well, it was once. It once was called Bleed American, but now it's the self-titled, isn't it? No, they said Clarity, and I would agree with them because Jimmy Eat World. If you're a Futures fan, ah, uh, get the fuck out of here. You heard me there, Paul. Clarity or bust. Shellac. Again, not a big Shellac fan. I know the singles, but this is a thousand hertz. All right, we've got four more. The Prodigy. Oh, mate, fat of the land. Great. Deftones. White Pony. Great. Incubus. Are we considering the Enjoy Incubus series? This is what Kerrang have listed. Oh, for fuck's sakes, Kerrang. Uh, make yourself. Great. And the last one. If you get this, I'll be so impressed. It will be a Christmas miracle. Rise Against. I don't know. I, heaven knows. I no, it's not. It's Siren Song of the Counterculture. But I, I think you're a Rise Against fan, or you, you at least know them a little bit, yeah. I interviewed Tim. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good band. And, and you know what? After this, I'm gonna go back and listen to a bit more Rise Against. Oh, cool. Uh, but it's been a, it's been a while. It's been a hot minute, a hot minute since I've listened to them. I first discovered Ramstein through the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Ooh, tell me more. All right, so if I remember correctly, Duhast was on uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation soundtrack <laughs> in one of those one of those rare moments where a soundtrack album is way way better, way better than the movie itself. I mean, those Mortal Kombat soundtracks were incredible. You had like Fear Factory Zero Signal um, KMFDM for all my industrial fans out there. Peace 
uh, I'm the first one. So yeah, Merry, Merry then, Christmas, industrial fans. It was that time, and I'm sure like with you growing up with Rage as well. It was an era where music videos were still very, very important. Like people liked to tell a story through the music videos. So when Sona came out, and you know the whole allegory towards uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in a debauched way, we we've all seen the video. And if you haven't, NSFW. But then I really like Links Two, Three, Four, and I think through Links Two, Three, Four, when you discovered that it's quite a political song, because like you mentioned at the start, they're a democratic band, they're a political band. It was Links Two, Three, Four that actually had people peg them as neo Nazis because I believe those are marching orders that used to be used. But nothing could be further from the truth, could it? They're a very you know anti-fascism anti-nazism band so yeah i love links two three four but i fucking hate that it had to be written so like pretty much it was very lazy journalism people just assumed they were kind of nazis or were right leaning and they they really had to come out and say we are not nazis we are not nazis so links two three four is a, is a political song and it's in response to being called nazis and you know it, the lyrics are you know my heart beats to the left two three four so yeah, they're on the left of the political spectrum, if you will. And, yeah, the verses are, according to Wikipedia, based on an old socialist song. So the overall point of the song is like, hey, if you're going to fucking try and pigeonhole us, well, you better fucking know that we're on the left rather than the right. And, they, yeah, they said they wanted to make an anti-Nazi song that sounded dark and evil. So it's like, oh, it sucks that you had to say that just by being German and singing in, you know, your native language, your mother tongue. It's like, oh, Nazis. I was like, nah, just because they're fucking buff or most of them are pretty buff and they're shirtless and doing all this crazy shit. It's like, no, nah, they're not far right. They're, they're, they're left two, three, four. Do you think that people confuse the, I mean, there is definitely homoeroticism within Rammstein's aesthetic, isn't there, with their presentation? Do you think that people got weirded out somewhat? I mean, we've spoken before about an element of toxic masculinity that existed within the metal and the rock community. Do you think then people felt slightly awkward because of the homoerotic leanings that Rammstein had? Because they didn't know how to reconcile the idea about very scantily clad men or shirtless men, you know, huddled together and stuff like that. That because they didn't know how to reconcile with the idea of homoeroticism, that that then turned into oh they're weird they must be Nazis, you know a real kind of dumb meat-headed kind of aspect to it. I don't know, but if I was to guess, I would say it's literally just oh they're singing in German Nazis, and it's it's a lazy link. It's it's absolute bullshit, and the fact that they had to come out with links two three four. Hey, fucking you know. They really took those lemons and made some lemonade, though. I think they, they did a really, really great job with that song. And I love the fact that they are still accessible by the big metal community, despite the fact that they're singing in German. And I think that would it have the same resonance having Till singing things in English? Because he is, he is fluent in English. It's very interesting, because when they came over to do Big Day Out in New Zealand, and I was there with longtime listener Tom, and he can... Uh, T-Bone. He can verify this anecdote. Uh, they were interviewed for TV and they had a German translator. And then 
somebody i i think the interviewer asked a question and till directly responded oh you know i i do speak english very fluently so then it was asked well why why have you got a translator and he was just so polite and said it's because he did not want to get anything lost in translation hence why he's got a translator fluent that can you know because german's almost the most literal language in the world isn't it you look at schadenfreude for example is literally the german word for misery joy so they they literally have words that are just okay what's that it's a window you know the, the, the literal explanation and the translation is exactly that so it was really cool to see that he didn't want anything to get lost in translation Fuck, I hope it had nothing to do with those Nazi calls, though. But it's beautiful listening to him singing in German, even if the subject matter can be incredibly transgressive at times. And that search for perfectionism and doing everything right almost fucked this band up on this album. So they they would have, like, and the production manager or the producers and the engineers would talk about this. Like, they started the first two albums talking about everything together like long ass conversations yeah and it got pretty heated in the making of mutter and the the mutter video in particular you know um they it was it's like kind of entering into a poly couple or an open relationship and i've had friends do this it's like dude it is so much just conversation one of us will go out on a date with someone we come back and we have to have two weeks of very open and honest conversation about it and you have to and that's what ramstein almost like yeah yeah look i'm not good enough at at rooting to to warrant two weeks of conversation really (laughs) i'm I'm just not but there's never any discussions were a huge part of making the album and at one point richard sort of attempted to sort of upend the the band and their, their democratic writing process and their drummer christoph said, you know, Richard tries to lead the band and that reached the point where we couldn't stand it anymore. He was trying to control everything. He didn't want to have anybody change anything and that came from his word and that was a tricky time. But they eventually realized, hey, look, each one of us has strengths. Let's lean into that, support each other and delegate a bit more. That thing that we talked about on the Linkin Park episode that makes the band really, really successful. But that perfectionism also meant that they dropped the sequence synthesizer on this album. Because the second album had a lot of sequence synth on it, and that meant that Till, and it's something I hadn't thought about, Till had to really, really sing well, which can take out some of that aggression and that passion and that personality because they are unforgiving. Those They don't fuck up, those sequences. They never go out of key unless you program them to. So it's trickier. So Till said, look, you know, we we pushed it away so I could be a bit more sort of, um, how would you say it? a bit more dynamic in my vocal range and, and my phrasing and so on, which is something I, I thought was really interesting. So, yeah, he didn't he didn't then have to lean in on the synths to uh, supplement his vocal styles. It was like, well, I'm, they're you know, naked and raw, which is probably two of the best terms to describe Rammstein at the moment. Um, tell me about the title track, just an example of how kind of, not esoteric, but just kind of how grim at times their storytelling can be. Oh, man, it sounds like a fucking Death Stranding sort of uh, synopsis. <laughs> Hideo Kojima, thank you. Yeah. Actually, there are some similarities because Hideo is really obsessed with America as well. Yeah. 
So the lyrics tell the story of a child who was not born from a womb, but in some kind of experiment. And so they didn't have any mother or father. And so apparently it goes, it's about like this, this child has his plan to kill both the mother who never gave birth to him and then himself. However, he fails to kill himself and then he ends up mutilated and then he's like, I'm no better than I was before. So the child then begs and prays for strength, but his dead mother doesn't answer. And yeah, Oh, I don't know. Like it, it's a pretty heavy and intricate sort of subject matter to explore via, you know, a four-minute song or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, would it be fair to say, and I'd love the listeners' response on this as well, would it be fair to say that if Queen were bringing opera back to the masses through rock, perhaps... Ramstein were bringing that theatrical opera experience to the masses through, let's call it industrial metal. Would that be a fair comparison to make? You know what? I challenge the listeners to bring this up at the Christmas dinner table on Christmas Day this year and just be like, hey, yeah, we could watch Bohemian Rhapsody or Family Values 98 is on YouTube. I don't know. It's it's a decent question because they did have the strings, and I've got a tiny grab from a song that I really, really liked called Mine Hearts Brent, which means My Heart Burns. Just listen to the strings on this. I think they're pretty interesting, but then there's even a better story about the strings. So they booked a really expensive orchestra right? And then they went and booked a really expensive studio to record the really expensive orchestra. And they start playing and they're playing for a couple of hours. And it's like, this, what the fuck is going on? This is whack. And the dude that had to sort of transpose it, uh, he was just like, oh, the, the transcript guy just fucked with the arrangements and he'd just gone hog wild. So they were like, no, 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 this is no good. So the orchestra I think after a bit of negotiations, agreed to come back the next day. And the transcript guy had to do it all, the whole album, over one night. Like he fucked up. I'm going to shoot shoot it to he. They fucked up big time. So those strings are great. But imagine if I actually had the proper, even just two weeks to write rather than like, you know, eight hours essentially. Yeah. It fucking sounds great. The other highlight of the record for me, I mean, besides the obvious, some of the, like songs are just incredible, but it's that little xylophone on a song called Music Music Box, which in German is like Spiel Spielhör Spielhör, and it's got the chorus um, with Till and Richard's daughter, which I think is great. But I just love the little melody that the xylophone's playing. I could listen to a whole album of that. I fucking loved it. It's so good. Well, I mean, the ending to um, Ickville has some really nice uh, string synths at the end of it as well. True. That's fucking so big. Uh, the whole album's just fucking massive. Uh, yeah, it sounds like when you go to a football game and the team's about to run out, they play some big, epic music. Often it's that. Yep. In Australia, it's the... Puff Daddy or P. Diddy uh, version of, like it's from the Godzilla track where he did 
the Led Zeppelin song. Oh, come with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cashmere. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That boom, da na na, da na 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 na. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was from Godzilla, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from. It was the the big promo track that they had from Godzilla doing rounds. That would have cost. That was a good soundtrack as well because Foo Fighters did a three twenty on that. Ah, soundtrack, so so good. Maybe I'll get one in my Christmas stocking. Maybe you will. But hey, Reese. What did strings better? The album we're talking about today or the album we'll be talking about next, Murder Noms by A Perfect Circle? Listener, we are going to take a two-week break to enjoy the holidays and have a break, but we are coming back with Murder Noms. And I'm, I'm saying it, man. Murder Noms do it better. So you reckon So you reckon Murder Noms is hands down better? Well, I guess people have to wait when we come back to season two of Baccio Death Trip Cruise Control. <laughs> Nice man. Hey, look, Christmas. You fuck. You spend a lot of money, don't you? Like you really spend a lot of money on. Well, gifts. you fucking do this shit. You've been spending like thirty five grand a, a, a hurl like advertisers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Got another ad for you. Oh yeah, of course you do. <laughs> it's um thirty five grand. Of course, like it's just stock standard. That's industry price. Like get your fucking head out of your ass. That's industry price. And we were lucky that they didn't double it for Christmas. But yeah, have a listen. We're sponsored by Christmas. Hi, my name's Benji, but you know that already because you're a long-time listener of this podcast. Look, we've given you hours and hours and hours of mindless entertainment at a fraction of a cost. I mean, time is a cost, but then, you know, time is a flat circle as far as me and Reese are concerned. All we ask is for your listenership. But now with the Christmas season approaching, we're also asking for your donations. Now, we can't accept money. We're a not-for-profit organization. You've seen how much money Reese pisses on sponsorship. So 35 grand a week. We're not-for-profit. But Reese, what if I was to tell you that there is a way that all of our heart's desires can be treated, spoiled, And effectively, we get exactly what we want, not what people think we want, what we want. What would you say to that? I'd call you a lying dumb fuck. (laughs) And you'd most of the time be right. But on this occasion, you're wrong, you ugly cunt. (laughs) Welcome to the Bad Show Death Trip Amazon Wishlist. Yes, for a limited time, we are throwing open a wishlist of all of the incredible things on Amazon that our hearts truly desire Uh, for example why not the qmvmv granddad granddaughter keyring birthday father's day gifts the love between a grandfather and granddaughter is forever keychain grandfather present (laughs) it's a mouthful it's incredible and it's ours for only eight pounds 99 if someone else decides to buy it for us oh yeah and with all the scheduling that we have on the go why don't you end up investing in a pooping cat calendar 2021 funny cat lover wall calendar gag joke gift Women, men, crazy lady, birthday, white elephant, party, secret Santa, exchange, stocking filler, Christmas, paperback, wall calendar by Ellen Summers. Yes, 12, count them, 12 months of watching the cat take a shit. Mmm, I know that's definitely something you want, Reese. Oh, yeah. Chica, chica. 
I mean, you could just get us gift vouchers or you could just give us money. But this way, the tax man doesn't have to know what's going on. Hey, we could say that everyone's our auntie and uncles, just like a big New Zealand family. Even though Reese is from Australia. Fuck Reese, a big New Zealand family. Fuck Reese. That's the Bacho Death Trip Amazon wishlist coming soon when we can be bothered to do it. Wow, the production value there. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth and some better production values from myself there. Like Shitbox Studio is right. Yeah, man. Shitbox Box. <laughs> Kitty Litter Box. Oh, man. Speaking of boxes, the postman knocked on my door the other day and dropped something off. And it was a package from the UK. Now, I've opened it and in it was this and it's fully wrapped so, Whoa. did you get me a little Christmas present there, Benji? Uh, I might have done. Oh. I mean, check. I had a look at this. I mean, I haven't opened it yet. I mean, it's in a real nice cloth gift bag for a start. But I would expect that given the fact that, you know, you and T-Bone Tom uh, spent 35 fucking thousand Australian dollars on this. But uh, I don't know. Merry Christmas, Reese. Merry Christmas, Who, mate. Shall I, uh, who's going to open it up first? Do you want to? Oh, no, nah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm impatient. All right, all right, all right. You've been patient. You've been patient. Eh? There you go. Oh, mate. you piece of wanted. work. <laughs> I got the Pooping Cats calendar, the 2021 version. <laughs> the cats look so disinterested. Hey, man, and I got that, you know, uh, just going to let great <laughs> kayfabe here. Going to let you peep through the velvet curtain here, Reese. I got that on special, mate. Oh, man. I got, I, I was nearly run out, but it's still got some great pictures in there. I mean, let's have a look. I haven't I haven't seen it myself. Oh, my God. Is there one where they look terrified? Um, No. Like, oh. why are you taking a photo of me? Or this one looks care? indignant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll put this up on the Instagram. This is a little kitten one. I feel wrong looking at that one. But on the back, yeah. it's got, like, how you might use the calendar. And it's by a company called Save the Date. And on... Monday the 5th is mum's birthday and then Thursday yep. the 15th is date night and then 27th is vacation and then on the 29th they've got a car payment. So a very successful and, and busy person owning the Pooping Cats calendar. And it's always good to give uh, someone a 2021 calendar on the 20th day of the 12th month of that year. I've always found... Yeah, I just, you know... Hey, you know, a broken clock is right twice in the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, i got 10 days. I can fill this up, man. I can make use of it. And, uh, yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, mate. I really appreciate it. Would you like to open my gift? Yeah, hold on a minute. Let's take a look here. Okay, and this is... Ah! This is a pooping dog's calendar <laughs> 2022. You've outdone me there. Oh, I bet this was full price as well, wasn't it? Look at that. Let's take a look. I've been definitely going to put all the moves. Oh, man, that's a beautiful dog. They just seem a little more kind of taken aback. They're having their photos taken than cats. Yeah. Cats I mean, kind of expected, I think. There's a... <laughs> that beagle. Oh, bro. Wow. But yeah, uh, the other night my neighbor came over and he's like, Oh, I'm not really a cat person. I was like, don't worry, my cat won't come up. Like, my cat's very shy, so he'll hide under the bed. And at that moment, the cat decides to come up and just shit in the kitty litter tray, staring at him, like, making eye contact. And I was like, dude, this is not how you ingratiate yourself with people. Trust me, I learned that the hard way, all right? 
It didn't work for me in high school. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, the gifts, they keep on coming because do you know what we've got now? Double the chances to win. But your death trip, double game. Thank you, Alan Partridge. I have six Christmas songs. All, all you need to do is either tell me the name of the song or, or the band. You ready? I'm ready. Hit the festive tick. Jesus Christ, corn. That was Lacuna Coil. Okay. I'm not going to be good at this. I hate Christmas songs. Long lay the world in sin and air abiding Till he appeared and the spirit felt its worth I've no idea, Reese. You've really got me on this game. Well, that's good because you smashed the other game. That was Rob Halford with Oh Holy Night. This is the proverbial lump of coal in the stocking for how well I did last time round. Okay. Next one. Why does it sound like New York Dolls? Oh, not a bad guess. It's Spinal Tap with Christmas with the Devil. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a, uh, uh, close, man. Uh, yeah. They're not too dissimilar. You will get the next one, I promise you. Let's buy some peace and quiet for a change before we spend it all on fucking toys. Ah! So if I ain't drunk, then it ain't Christmas. You know where Is that that Corey Taylor Christmas song that you were talking about? Yes. Yeah, speaking of dog shit calendars, there it is. Yes. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know if you'll get this one, but good luck. On the seventh day of Christmas, the police sent to me six Navy SEALs swimming, six pepper, pepper, Okay, I'm gonna take a random set. It sounds like Afro Man. Oh! He's fucking done it. He's fucking done it. That is incredible. <laughs> and I think you you might be able. Yeah. So, yes, that was Afro Man. Twelve J's of Christmas. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Drug use around a Christmas tree. We love yeah. it. You might get this one. You might not. I, I'm I'm interested to see. I still, why does it sound like Jonathan Davies shouting? He's done I it. That's it, corn. It's, it's called just it Jingle Balls. I think it is called Jingle Bell or Jingle Balls, Jingle Bells. It's something Christmassy. Fucking yep. get the Christmas up here. That's corn. awesome, man. Yep. Well done. Ah, oh, look, you, you started so poorly. You've come out with 50%. That's incredible. That's how I like to describe my sex life. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. So what is everyone going to do with two weeks away? Is the Instagram still going to be running? Yeah, uh, two weeks not listening or seeing your face. What have I done to deserve that? Uh, what? It's it's really the ultimate gift, I think, that I can give you. <laughs> You're really mean on yourself, like Ramsteiner really hard on themselves, man. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, look, enjoy the break, listeners. Come back with fresh ears. I'll keep the Instagram rolling. I'll keep it pumping. It's kind of a weird thing because I think Christmas, you're always like, oh, all the things I like to listen to or watch, stop. And it's like, well, we could keep going. And then we'd be the only thing you listen to. But we need a break too, guys. You know, this is this is a full-time job for me. And I am just losing fucking coin hand over fist here, man. It's it's pretty fucking wild. Yeah, we need to have a chat about what we're going to do with advertising money in the next financial year. So you've got until... Pump like, it up, I reckon. Sort shit out. Oh, I, pump it up. I'm like, all right, we need... Spend this two weeks having a chat. I'm going to look lovingly at this dog pooping calendar 2022. Thanks again, Reese. And I will get to the bottom of what this person is doing Friday, July 22nd, 2022. Maybe it's like the Aztecs predicted it's the end of days. Or maybe it's just a an ideal time for a dog to have a poo. Well, look, that is that is all from us today. Thank you so much. Listen, honestly, and Benji, thank you so much. This this podcast fucking is so much fun to do. L- literally, it it rules. I love doing it. I love making stupid things, and um, I'd pay more than thirty five grand to do this. So I really appreciate it, man. I hope you have a oh, great man, Christmas you know, break. We we talk a lot of shit, but you know, it's been a wild year, COVID, all of that stuff. But you know. Knowing that I've got a routine where I'm sitting down talking shit with you and other people listening to us talking shit, um, that's definitely one of the things I've been grateful for this year. So thank you so much to you, Reese, for letting me do this with you. And thank you so much to the listeners, you know, they keep growing stronger. And hey, if you really do want to get us a Christmas gift, the best gift that you could give back to your death trip is by telling your friends, subscribing through all of the podcasting networks that you might choose to listen to and helping us give Joe Rogan a run for his money. Or, or just a Maserati. Like, I'd take either. Like, yeah, tell some people to listen or just get, yeah, bring it up at Christmas and just see how it goes. Benji, we are going to wrap up the year with a mashup from Magenta with a J on YouTube. Shout out to Magenta with a J. They've done a mashup of Ramstein and a classic Christmas song. Merry Christmas, Bacio Death Trip listeners. Merry Christmas, one and all.